the werewolf uh, question is, what was the sweat factor during this whole thing? Oh, dude, just drenched. Luckily, it was, <laughs> luckily, it was San Francisco in the fall. So it's beautiful out. So it's like That's 65 good. degrees. Perfect. So it was nice, but it was still like the stress sweats were getting to me. And so that was, that was honestly, I think that was the most stress I've ever been in my entire life. Um, if you kind of wanted to kind of backtrack, uh, kind of going back to originally, you know, you're from North Carolina, right? Originally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. And I was going to kind of say, you know, what kind of brought you to obviously what you do now, you travel with bands and all, do all this awesome mm-hmm. auto engineering and things like that. We'll get into that later. But what kind of initially brought you into this industry of music growing up? What were some of your you know, Sure. Yeah, I think so. Growing up in North Carolina. So back to like, really birth i was born in east tennessee um we moved to north carolina when i was five because my mom got a job doing uh like youth youth ministry work and so growing up um she still does to this day and she's been running a youth camp each summer and so for me that was my whole childhood was every summer we would go down to the the camp and from age five or six until 18 or 19 I think 18 or, I think 18 was my last summer actually working for her um so we'd be down there the entire summer and youth camp was super awesome super fun it's where I honestly I think it made me into the person I am today because of like you mentioned my, my love for music that's really how I play music you know she had a staff of college students that's what she she hires college students each year to run the camp and you've got like your 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 worship team um, so you got the bands, and so I always took fascination to that. Um, learned how to play music just from being this like probably really annoying child that was always around. That was the director's son, and all of her staff that you know if they were in on the 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 band, you know, um, always like bugging them to like teach me how to play music. And so luckily, like they were super kind, and they always did, which was awesome. So that's where I like learned how to to play music and that's where I kind of grew my love for it um and I just loved loved playing loved being around it and um honestly like that's the 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 camp was what kind of made me really want to pursue audio stuff um I being just the kid who was always there because my mom ran the camp I uh was definitely put into positions where they're like, well, we need someone to do this. Okay, well, let's make Murph do it. You know, he's around. He can't leave, you know, so let's make him do it. And I was, and I did it, and I loved it. And I always loved getting the helping hand. Um, but at some point, there was always a need for someone to do all of the audio stuff, the sound, you know. And I was able to learn under a guy that was doing it at the time for, for the camp and kind of fell in love with it and just was like, this is – not only do I love playing music, um, but I also love the other side of it as well because it's creative. And for me, creativity is like my biggest thing. Like I love being creative and it's what drives me. It's what I'm passionate about. So like whether I'm playing music or like getting to mix things, you know, and run sound for events, like that is all very creative and it kind of is very much what I love doing. 
so after you graduated from from uh, from Wake Christian, uh, where yep. uh, where did you move the year after that, or the couple months after? So, that? so my goal, like senior high school, my goal was to I wanted to like Nashville was this Nashville Tennessee was this kind of dream place. I had some friends from Raleigh that I knew from like youth group growing up um, that were older, and um, that were, they lived right outside of Nashville, and they went to school at uh, Middle Tennessee State University. The Blue Raiders, And so that's about, right? yeah, Blue Raiders. So that's 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes south of, of Nashville proper. Um, and so he was living out there. He was a, a good friend who was an incredible musician, a very good drummer. I had played on, played in a few bands with him, like worship teams with him, um, like doing camp stuff or church stuff. And I always loved playing music with him and he was really solid and just a good dude. And so he was definitely like trying to get me out there. Um, like always just like, you know, Hey, you know, this is a good place. I think this is a place you need to be, which is really cool. And so that was kind of the goal, but the summer went by before fall, like where I was kind of supposed to start my college, um, like first semester and, you know, just trying to figure it out. It was like, do I go to a like, community college out there? Like, what is the point? Like, I didn't apply for it. Was, it was kind of funny looking back on it. Like, I had all these fun ideas in my head, but there was nothing structure-wise planned for me. Like, I didn't apply to a lot of colleges. Like, it was kind of like, I just wanted to do it, but I didn't put forth the work. And it was, it was silly, I guess. But thinking back on it, that was kind of the idea. It was my, like, my mom and I would talk about it. Like, I guess I could do this and that. And honestly, it got to a point where my mom was like, I don't think, you know, I don't think you're ready to move all the way over there by, like, by yourself. Like, I want you to do community college here for a year and then maybe transfer out. Like, let's, let's just, let's take it slow. Let's don't all of a sudden just, like, when you don't have a plan in place. Like, she's an incredible, incredible woman, so smart. And, she, like, I'm very big picture and I know what I want to do, but she's very, like, organized and structured and, like, this is how we're going to get it done. So it complements me really well which is awesome great mom to have um but she was like listen i don't think the plan you have in place is strong enough to just go do it right now let's just take it slow and so what i did is i went to wake tech for a year uh, two semesters in raleigh and did that whole thing and you know enjoyed it kind of i guess college just never felt like it was the thing for me i guess i never loved school but I love like aspects of learning, like learning is really fun to me, but I think just like the whole test taking and thing, I don't know. I just, it was never really my thing, I guess, but you're, anyways, you are preaching, you're preaching to the choir. I'm the exact same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was always just like this, like thing that I felt like I had to get done. But it wasn't like something I was excited about. It was just like, you know, I'll have to go to school or whatever. And that's how a lot of people are. But anyways, I finished my two semesters at community college. And I remember sitting in my living room in Raleigh with my mom and then that same friend that lived in Nashville. We were catching up and he was like, dude, we got uh, one of my roommates just moved out. So there's an open room, you know, and I remember it was really like amazing. My mom just looked at me in that moment, like no discussion, just said, I think it's time. Like, go for it. Why not? And so it was kind of like, this, like oh, my God, like, really? Like. That's awesome. And it's like, I'm an adult. I was 18 at times. So like I can make my own choices, but at the same time, like having your mom, like push you and like be excited for you is so awesome. And so she was like, I think like, she was like, you like, I think this year that you did, you know, community school and lived in Raleigh, like worked full time or like not full time, but worked part time and like made your own money and like 
whatever, like what's good for you as a person. And I think you're ready now to move out and go live on your own far away. Um, and so the plan was I was going to move to Nashville and I guess Murfreesboro was the city name. So it's south of Nashville, which I got lots of jokes about um, because obviously <laughs> Murphy, Murfreesboro, love that. Um, but yeah, so I planned to move and my goal was to go to MTSU, to Middle Tennessee State University. But I was going to, I was going to wait a year since it was out of state tuition, you know, it's a little more expensive. So if I work for a whole year, I can get in-state tuition and then I'll go to school. So that was kind of the plan. But yeah, so that was like post high school. That was kind of what ended up happening um, for me was all this, like I wanted to go, but then I didn't. And then all of a sudden, I don't know where it was the kind of opportunity presented itself. And it was kind of like, all right, let's do this. And that's how I kind of got out to Nashville, which was awesome, which is the place that really was huge for me in my career to this day. So, Well, first off, awesome mom. Second, dude, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> secondly, so you finally got to Nashville area, Tennessee, you know, Murfreesboro. Yeah. Middle area. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So from there, um, did you instantly pursue in that gap year kind of pursuing the music dream of audio engineer or did you kind of like kind of scope it out for a year, lay low or? Yeah. So my gap year, uh, I, so I first moved out and the first thing was like, I have to get a job that pays me money because I have to pay rent. Also rent, you know, you the first time you live on your own, rent is such an interesting thing. It's kind of like, okay, this is a real thing now. I have to pay this. So I probably should have a job that makes me money. So it's like, all right, so I got to have a job, got to pay rent. What am I going to do? Walked into Target. Target offered me a job. Boom. Good to go. I'm going to work at Target. I'm going to push some carts around and I'm going to have some money to pay my rent. Also thinking back, my rent was like 300 bucks, which was amazing. And I missed those wow. days. Uh, yeah, it was incredible. There was also six guys, like including like me, uh, living in a house together. We had, a, it was like a good sized house. So it was, but it was really cheap, which was awesome. So anyways, that was the goal was, okay, let's work at Target. And then, you know, kind of network, connect around, just be there. Um, I don't think in that gap year, I thought I would have, like, I don't think my intention was to try and um like pursue audio or music i think it was kind of like i just need to work and gain in-state residency but what was really awesome was that same family friend that i mentioned earlier who is a producer in nashville has a lot of connections um super smart guy uh, very good family friend uh, and kind of like a father figure to my brother and i um just awesome awesome person and uh he was talking to me one day and he was like, I think I have a connection for you. If you want to get your foot kind of in the door, I have this friend who is a producer for a televised like concert series. And he's like, they always love volunteer work. You know, you're not going to make any money, but people won't turn down free labor. You know, exactly. you can go get your foot in the door and learn a little bit doing that. So having that connection was amazing. Um, so I then, what I did was I worked at Target um, most days of the week, except for Wednesday. Wednesday was the day they televised the event, that they recorded the, the event. Um, it was always live streamed as well. Um, so the event was, or the, the, I guess the series was Music City Roots. And so it's Americana, bluegrassy type concert series where they have like some interviews with the bands that they have on the night. There's usually three or four bands a night uh, or each week on that Wednesday. So I show up and basically what I'm doing is um, stagehand work. So stagehand 
work is is you know helping people get their instruments in or helping just run cables and you know just kind of all the like grunt work manual labor type of stuff um and you know i i got there and what we had to do was we had to build like there was a set design and we rented the the show rented out this auditorium in franklin tennessee and so we had to build it every every wednesday morning and then tear it apart wednesday night uh, but also set up all the audio stuff and that's so that's where i learned like a good bit of audio type stuff was from this music to the roots this free work thing that i was doing i wasn't going to pay it was this volunteer work so i'd show up every wednesday um and that was my schedule was i i do target during the week and then on wednesday i'd show up uh music to the roots in franklin and work there all day not making any money um and so i loved it it was a blast like it's funny like when i left north carolina and like had my experience at the youth camp doing some audio stuff I thought I was like pretty knowledgeable. I was like, I know how to do this stuff. Like I'm pretty smart. I had kind of a big head. Um, and then I show up and I do that type of gig work and I'm like, I don't know anything. Like I'm learning so much, which is awesome, right? Like it, it was really exciting to me because it's like, oh wow, like I thought I knew some stuff but I really, really didn't know a ton. So it was a new learning experience for me to be able to like do that kind of just like yeah to, to do a gig every week basically and it's like you know doing church stuff when you're younger and camp stuff so much different than a, a show day you know like working a, a concert day um and so I learned a ton met a lot of people there which was really awesome and so that was how I kind of got my foot in the door um that year and you know six months went by of doing it for free you know volunteer work and then all of a sudden they started paying me which is amazing and so it's like now I'm able to like make money from this and still working at Target so having you know being able to pay rent and have a little bit of side income which was awesome but also still learning and growing in my knowledge of the industry I guess that's yeah. awesome that's, yeah it's one of those things it's kind of a give and take it's uh the whole internship thing uh it works for a while yeah I feel like it's, it's a good thing but you were lucky enough to get something coming out of it which is amazing I mean a lot of sure people, take that risk and nothing comes of it. And they just, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's a high risk, high reward, but that's definitely worth it. So what would you say would be kind of your big break, you know, after you did this? Yeah. Um, so as far as like working the bands and kind of going on from there. Yeah. So how it worked was did that. So I basically worked for six months unpaid there. And then the next, uh, I think almost a next six months, especially was, it was paid, which was awesome. So I was basically an employee for this production um of this um a live concert series every week and i just started like i had a lot of good buddies there that you you know you meet and you you see people come in and out and you you start gaining connections and, and networking in a way um and for me there was a guy named cody who was also same position i was doing so we worked together and he uh we had it was funny like you didn't we didn't see cody for a while but all the rumors are like oh yeah, he's out touring with Journey right now. And you're just like, well, that's so cool. Like, that's a dream. And so like, come to find out he works for a company, you know, he got a job at a company working and, um, you know, got a good break and like was doing really well in the industry, which was awesome to hear. And so I was like, that's so sick. Like, that's definitely what I want to do. But then all of a sudden, summer came around again and I decided to work one more summer for my mom. So I leave that whole thing, go work for my mom. A whole year has passed since I've been in Murfreesboro now. 
into the summer, I'm trying to figure out my plan. And my mom's like, are you going to school in the fall? And I was like, I don't know if I am. I think what I want to do is I want to take one more semester off, try to find a company job, like a production company um, that I can work for, like kind of almost like a full-time gig, um, doing what I love. And if I don't, by January, I'm going back to school. And that's, that was my new plan. So keep pushing it off, pushing it off. Yeah. So I go back to Nashville after, or Murfreesboro after um, summer ends. And um, I go back the, next, the first Wednesday and work at Music City Roots. And Cody happens to have time off and they needed help. So he, he's there, which is awesome. And he's a great friend to this day, awesome dude. And was a good friend back then. And he was there and it was, you know, it's that whole thing's like, dude, I'm so excited for you. Like, it seems like you're doing really well. And I just straight up was like, dude, I want to do what you're doing. Like, is the company you're working for, are they hiring? Like, what's the situation? He's like, just shoot me your resume and I can send it over. I think there's a potential, like, they might be hiring some seasonal stuff. So shot it over to him. He went, then it was a Thursday, so the very next day. I get a phone call from him at like 10 in the morning. He's like, hey. I sent your resume in. Can you come in tomorrow? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For sure. So Friday I show up to VER is the name of the, the company. Um, at this point they had the merger with another company called PRG. So PRG is their name now. But anyways, VER tour sound was the name of the company at the time. And I show up and I have a meeting with one of the, you know, trying to like his, his title was staffing like director for the company. So he handled staffing like all of the events and stuff. Uh, so I had a, a meeting with him and he was just like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I just want to work. And I was like, I also like really want to tour one day. Like that's kind of my passion. He's like, cool. And like looking back on it, like, you know how many kids he probably heard that from? Like, I just yeah. want to like, so yeah. like it was kind of, it's funny to think back on, but at the time it's like, I got to put my best foot forward. Like this is what we're going to do. And he's like, cool, yeah, well, we're hiring seasonal shop work right now. Um, if you're interested, we can, you know, you can start today. And I was like, yes, I'm in. And so what seasonal shop work meant was I worked in the cable department for six months or four months, I think, four or five, I don't know. It was a, a, a handful of months. And what that meant was I worked 60 hours a week almost, and I tested cables every day. So like XLR, plug one in, all that stuff. Like XLR, and there's a ton of, and, and also at the time, like I get to this cable department, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, I thought, I, and so it's another, it's another funny moment of going, I thought I knew stuff, I thought I knew what was going on when I was growing up, and then I moved to Nashville, and I realized I had nothing, I didn't know what was going on. I I did my internship, you know, with Music City Roots. At the end of that, I was like, yeah, I think I know what's going on now. And then I get there, and there's so many cables I've never seen in my entire life. And I'm like, what, what is all of this? And so it's another humbling moment of going, I don't know enough. Like, I will never, like, there's so much. Um, so I just, so yeah, literally you plug one, there was an awesome, like, there's a lot of cable testers out there, but we had this massive machine, especially for like the bigger cables, like multi-pin cables. And you plug one side in and you plug the other side in and then you hit go and it tests, you know, the cable. And it will give you a result if it's good or not. And then it'll tell you what's wrong with it. It's not. And so that's what I did for four months straight. Woke up, drove 35, 40 minutes into town from Murfreesboro, you know, tested cables for nine hours then drove 40 minutes back Did that. And, you know, a lot of Saturdays we worked as well because it's just, it's the touring industry. It doesn't really stop. 
you know, unless there's coronavirus. Um, but, you know, it, it just keeps going and there's always a need for all the stuff. And, you know, how it works is events or tours, like whatever, they take all these cables out and they use them. And when they bring them back in, you have to make sure they, like it's a QC process. You've got to test them, make sure it all works, wrap it in green tape, put a check mark on it, put it back on the shelf for the next person to use. It's a huge inventory system. So I did that and I learned so much about cabling and how it works and how it, you know, is it can, how it can break and how you can put it back together and all that stuff, which was very vital. But also at the same time, working in a shop with a bunch of, a bunch of audio equipment and like, you know, kind of bounce around different departments um, to like learn more about just different types of gear and different pieces of gear, how the industry works, like how the live concert, like a live audio industry, like kind of worked and like trying to wrap my head around it. And so that was my break from Music City Roots into kind of the industry at first. Gotcha. For sure. So with that, I feel like you could take that one or two ways because you could have been like, all right, this is my big break. But was it was it, did it kind of hurt your pride to feel like you were just running cables, although very important, but like testing cables for like five to six months or four to five for sure. months? Was part of you kind of like, all right, this is not worth it? Or did you just use that as like a base to kind of, all right, like this is important to learn when I move up? Yeah, it was it was humbling for sure. Because you're always like, you always want to like be the best you can be, right? And like do the best thing that you can do. And so to like feel like I was doing really well at the, the you know, live broadcast show and then to come in and yeah, to do like basically like the, the grunt work that, that no one wants to do definitely sucked. But at the same time, I think it was super beneficial for me because I learned so much because I didn't know, like, again, like I walk in and I see all these cables. I have never seen one. Never thought it existed. Like you, like you said, XLRs, XLRs is the only thing I thought were cable, the most like basic the only cable one I thought. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I only thought there was XLRs and, and quarter inch cables. And so it's like, what are all of these things? So I learned so much, but at the same time, I started doing it so long. And then at this, but here's the thing is I forgot to mention during that whole time, I still worked every Wednesday at music city roots. So I'm doing Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, pretty much at VER. And then Wednesdays I'm at Music City Roots. So I'm, I'm just, I have a busy schedule. So I catch a break with Music City. So I catch another, like, I get another networking experience with the, the Music City Roots guys. Where now, if you know of it, in Nashville, there's a, a historic venue called The Ryman. Um, the Ryman, uh, one of my friends that was working with at Music City Roots started doing stagehand stuff at the Ryman. And so I get a call one day to come do like Americana Festival um, at the Ryman. And I'm like, this is huge. Like, this is another big break. And so I go do that and I, I, I make a good impression. I, I work hard. I start getting calls back from the Ryman, which is awesome. So I work there probably for a month while I'm still doing stuff at, uh, at VER. There and also doing stuff in Music City Roots. I think that was the busiest month of my life. I think, like, just as of like, like touring is very busy. But that that month, I think I did. I think I did the thirty-one days straight, no days off. Like, I think that's what that month was for me because I was bouncing from one gig to the next. So just trying to work hard and trying to figure out what's what's the place for me in the industry. And so yeah, I'm I'm doing this stuff with the Ryman uh every now and then and i'm like loving it because it's like live like i i'm doing stage chain work which like in the industry is not it's not like 
I guess it's kind of like the lower, like it's you're, you're the guy that they've used to do all the tough work. Like basically how it is, is like you have the touring personnel and then the, the stagehands are the local crew. And so the touring personnel use the stagehands as help to put together their rig or whatever every day. Right. So, um, so I was doing that, you know, and, but that was so fun because at the end of the day, like I was doing it for like a cool concert and I saw cool bands come in that I liked. Right. And so you get that glimpse of like, this is so fun. And then I was doing the cable stuff at VER. And so I remember hitting, and so it was just like, maybe I want to do this. So I remember hitting a point where I was like, I don't think I want to test cables for the rest of my life. I think I want to maybe pursue, and I remember calling my brother and telling him, I want to maybe pursue the Ryman and maybe try to see what the position, like a full-time position there would look like. Um, and that same week I said that to my brother, I was staying next to a buddy at VER at the production company and we were t just working or doing something. And the same staffing guy that hired me six months prior comes over and uh talks to my buddy goes hey man um got a training gig for you we're gonna be doing uh janet jackson this weekend at ascend amphitheater uh which is amphitheater in nashville you can come out because it's a that was a client of ver and so basically like the, the guy that i was with his name was cameron he was like hey cameron you're gonna be able you're gonna come out and you're gonna do this training gig with us and we're kind of gonna view you like be a glorified stagehand with our touring personnel that our staff um just to see how you are in a live setting um like on-site setting and <clears throat> he was super stoked and i was like man that's awesome and then he looks at me and he goes what's your name again and i'm like uh, murph you know like you hired me seven months ago whatever and <laughs> he's like i just had someone drop out what are you doing sunday and i was like nothing like i had i had the funniest thing is i had plans and i just blew them off I was like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, nothing. So I show up Sunday to work a Janet Jackson show at a Amphitheater. And that was my first ever experience, like, with the, like, live touring concert world, in a way. Um, and I, like, had a blast. I loved it. I felt like I was, I didn't, I didn't burn anything. You know, I didn't blow up anything. Like, I, I, I thought I was, had a successful day. And that next Monday at work, back at the shop, same staffing guy comes in and he was just like, and I remember him going, where did you come from? Like, where, who are you? And like, I was like, you guys hired me as a shop worker like months ago. And it was kind of just this funny thing where I just kind of got in, I guess I was just under the radar, just working in the cable department. Um, but I guess that was a big break for me, which led to, Hey, I want you to do another training gig. And we want to like, observe you doing more stuff. And so the next thing I did was a Dirk Bentley festival. Um, and so went out and had more of a role with the crew. Wasn't like just like helping out. Um, and looking back on it, I was absolutely terrible at what I was doing, but I didn't do, I didn't do like I, to me, like if I had to work, if me now had to work with that me, I would have been like, come on. Like, but I think in the moment it was like, I guess they viewed me as someone they could teach. And like, I had like a good work ethic. I didn't, again, I didn't blow anything up. I didn't mess anything up terribly. Um, and so they just kept offering me new things and new things. And so after I got done with that, like the next thing, like we, and we did all this training stuff at the company, like for young kids like myself and they brought in to like 
work into the touring industry. They, you know, they would train us on different things every day, every other day, you know? And so like, you're learning so much and trying to figure it out. And so the next thing was, all right, we're going to give you your first actual gig. Cause the other two were technically training days. Um, and my first gig was with the company was a cruise ship. So I went on Holy ship and then jam cruise. So back to back different cruises on the same boat for 10 days. The first one was an EDM cruise, which was terrible. Um, so <laughs> much a music. EDM fan or? I mean, no, I'm not going to lie to you. But <laughs> like, but just think about it. like, so my stage that I was on that I was kind of manning was a stage that started at like 8 p.m. because they're night owls and it didn't end until six in the morning, yeah. right? But that's only the music portion of it. From 12 until 8, there's, like, games and karaoke and bingo or whatever. So, like, you're going to bed at 7 in the morning. You're waking up at, like, 11, 12, and then you're working until 6 a.m. again. So that was the EDM portion. And EDM music, like, I, so I was uh, mixing the stage that I was on, and it's, it's super easy. EDM music is literally – if you know anything about audio, it's a left and a right. Like it, they just, you know, it's, there's not like anything special. You just kind of turn it up and then it, it, it sounds how it's going to sound, you know? And so that's, especially for like that type of situation. So it's not exciting to me. I'm bored out of my mind, but I'm having to stay up until six in the morning. So, but it was also, but at the same time, it was amazing. Like I'm getting paid to work on a cruise ship right now doing what I love. So I'd like, yes, I can talk crap about it, but at the end of the day, like, I was so stoked. Like, it was so fun. And then the next one was Jam Cruise. So we got off the boat for a day, or actually like five hours, walked around like Miami, then got back on for the next cruise. And the next cruise was Jam Cruise, which was a jam band cruise. So total like hippie kind of vibe, which was yeah, rad. It was fun. <laughs> Um, but you know, and that was a blast to me because I got to mix live bands then and like incredible musicians doing stuff that I never, like I was always wanted to do. Um, and so it was a blast, man. Like that was like, you know, that was my first real gig. I had a blast doing it. And again, I didn't mess anything up. You know, I did fairly well. You know, I had someone that supervised me the first night to make sure I was confident in what I was doing. And then after that, you know, they're like, all right, you're good, you know, on awesome. your way. And so, so from there, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say like, so from there, is that kind of, so was Judah and the Lion like your first, first band that you no. toured with? Or so Judah, Judah came later. So the first band oh, wow. I toured with was 21 Pilots. So oh, I man. finished the cruise ship. They're like, you did a great job. Like, we'll keep giving you stuff. And so I keep getting emails about gigs. I go to South by Southwest for a week. That was chaos, but it was fun. I loved it. And then do like corporate stuff here and there. And then all of a sudden, like touring is like, cause like the company does more than just touring stuff. Like it's also, you've also got, um, you know, all the corporate events and all the festivals and all this and this and that. So, but touring, like for a company to feel, especially with a young kid that they bring in to like train up, for them to feel comfortable to send you out on a tour, like they have to know that you're like, you know your stuff, right? Because they're sending you out for months living with these people you know having to work day in and day out and so that was that's the big break right and so at one point I remember the staffing guy being like all right all right you're ready you know like let's get you out there 
uh, I have a tour for you. And I was just like stoked, just so excited. And um, found out it was, it was 21 Pilots. Oh, sorry, I got low battery. I think we should be good though. Can you hear me? I yeah. believe, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, found out it was 21 Pilots and was just like, this is incredible. Like it's such a cool opportunity. Um, and so I went and did that. I worked with them um, for a year, to, uh, a year and a half. I did three separate like runs with them. Um, we did a U.S. run. That was my first one. We did a U.S. run and then did a European run later that year. And so I got to go to Europe, which was amazing and such wow. a cool opportunity. And then another U.S. run the following like winter, the next uh, year. And then that U.S. run that next year was Judah and the Lion was opening for Toronto Pilots. Mm. So um, I got to know those guys. And like when you're working as an audio tech, audio technician for a, a big band like Arena Act, and you've got um, you've got opening bands. Like a lot of times, it falls onto your audio crew to like provide audio for the opening bands as well. So we're always around and we like help them out and got to know some of the band guys because you're on stage with them, like running cables, micing things up. Um, and you kind of just have fun and like get to know the guys and like, you know, just talk about stuff and hang out, have some fun, crack some jokes because you're with each other for months, you know? And so I got to know the guys and like also they had a, a touring, they had one touring personnel with them at the time. Um, one of my favorite people in the world, his name is Adam Davis. And he was their front of house engineer and tour manager um for those who don't know a front of house engineer is the person who mixes the sound for all the audience to hear so you've got a front of house engineer you've got a monitor engineer typically in the industry monitor engineer is the person who mixes what the band hears right so you've got two different sound people in the industry um so adam great person got to know him very well um and then i was on so that whole tour wrapped and it was super fun getting to know some of those guys that whole tour, whole tour wrap, and then I was uh, on to the next, you know, doing another thing. And I was actually on a tour. We hadn't started the tour yet. We were doing tour prep where we did all the gear and we start making sure everything works and like preparing things for the tour. And we were in Las Vegas, and I got a call from Adam from Judah and the Lion, and he was like, "Hey, we want to bring you on. What do you think?" And I was like, dude, I got a tour going on right now. Like, I'd love to. You guys are awesome. This would be fun for me. But I, like, I got other stuff going on. Um, and so I was just like, I'm sorry, man. Like, what, what, we can see if we can work it out. Like, let's look into it. But I don't know if it's going to be possible. Because it, it overlapped just enough to where it was like, I don't think I can, like, you know, I don't, I don't think I can come off of this tour early enough to go to your tour and feel comfortable about that, like, with my reputation in a way, right? Mm -hmm. And then... I also don't think I can come into your tour that late into it and you feel comfortable about that. So it was this tough situation. And which we were also, in Vegas. Which is, I want to pause there because I was just, it's, I'm looking back on it. You went from, you know, looking for a place to work in Murfreesboro. You worked at Target. You took one day yeah. off free. And now you're turning down Judah and the Lion because you're on another tour. It's just crazy. You sure, you sure. Down, but that's just crazy. Yeah, it just didn't work. Yeah, it was like, it, the, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Opposite. <laughs> that is funny to think about so i'm on this tour i'm supposed to be on this tour with this band and we're in vegas and um we are a day out from loading up our trucks and then flying to dallas for the first show and we get an email from the production manager of the tour and he goes 
hate to inform you all, this tour has now been canceled. And I'm like, well, okay. So that was two months of work that I'm not going to get money for now. You know, and like, this is work that I thought I was going to have a stable job for the next two months and I don't have it. I was like, oh my gosh, like what in the world? So they're just like literally just there. And then we packed all our stuff up and went back to the hotel. And then the next day I flew out and flew home. And so um, later, like a month, like, so, and then the Judah tour was supposed to be like, it wasn't right away. So it was a few, it was still like a month or two apart. So I still had time to kill. And, you know, I kind of just kept thinking about the Judah thing. and was like, this seems like something that would be really fun for me. I would be, you know, not only an audio tech, but I'd be an audio engineer for them, which is super exciting. So all my work with 21 Pilots, I was just an audio technician. So I didn't mix any sound. All I did was like put speakers in the air, cable them all up, help mic the stage. That's all I did. So super fun, super great in the time, like in the meantime, and like loved it. But like my passion was like mixing sound, like mixing bands. And so that was the position Judah was offering me, was to be the monitor engineer. So I, like, I, and, uh, like I mentioned, excuse me, earlier, um, my job would then consist of mixing the sound for what the band hears in their ears. And so they all have in ears and they all hear stuff and someone has to mix that for them. So I just kept thinking about it and it was technically a pay cut from what I was doing. And so it's like, do I keep pursuing like company work or do I go with these guys? I like these guys as people, like they're super nice guys. And this is work I really like am passionate about and like a job that I want to do. Like, what do I do here? And I stressed over that decision for weeks. Like, honestly, I called so many of my buddies, like, I don't know what to do. Cause at the same time, it's like, if I like go work for like an independent band, like where I'm not working with the company, I'm an independent like contractor. Like, am I going to burn a bridge with the company that keeps supplying me jobs? Right. So I'm starting to stress and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, and just talk to so many people and family and friends. And at the end of the day, I was just like, I think I have, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And I'm so glad I did. And it's been amazing. The June line guys are some of the best people I know, really, really good friends. Um, and just, it's fun to work for a band that cares about you as a person a ton. And it's just fun to work for those dudes. They're awesome. They're super fun. We, like I, their shows are so energetic and crazy and it doesn't get boring. And I just love the work. I love being able to mix. It's that creative itch for me. Um, but yeah, so that's how the whole Judah thing came up for sure was all of that stuff happened. And then I've been with them for three years this September, I guess. Wow. Which is great. So, awesome. I, you know, I did in, in, in between Judah, like Judah did, we did like a year of touring and then they took some time off to do a new record and they released that this past. It's been a year since they released it last March or April or something like that. And, or May sometime it was the year date was recent, but anyways, they took some time to do a, a record. And then I actually went back to 21 Pilots for a while because they were touring. So I got to do stuff with them. So I did like three years with 21 Pilots as well and like intertwined with Judah. And I've been with Judah ever since. Did a few other tours in the meantime. But um, it's a blast, man. I love it. I, I love getting to travel. I love getting to do what I'm passionate about. Like I'm very blessed and fortunate that mm -hmm. I love working the, the job that I do. And it doesn't, it's not like it's not like any job where I wake up and I'm like, oh, I gotta go to work today. Yeah. I still have those days. It's not like it's glamorous, you know. It's hard work. You're you're awake for 16 hours, or you're working for 16 hours a day. You get up at like nine in the morning, 
and depending on the gig, you, you might be getting up at 7 a.m. Um, depends on what time you start working, you know, start lo- unloading trucks and loading in gear. Um, but you get up, let's just say the last word of Judah, get up at 8 a.m. You start dumping trucks at 9, getting all the gear in, and then, you know, go all the way up until show ends at 1130. You're taking a shower around 1 a.m., and then you're back on the bus to sleep around 130 wake up again at 8 a.m. And you're doing that. And, you know, sometimes you've got five shows in a row. So you do that five days in a row. Then you get that day off and it's like, I'm going to sleep all day. It's going to be amazing. Um, and so it's not, you know, it's not like, it's not for everybody. You know, it, I'm, I love it. And it's awesome for me, but I have friends that tried it and didn't like it. You know, it's, it's a lot of work, but at the same time, you're going to do so much, so many fun things that you always like, it's just, it's a blast. Like, the fact that I get to travel and I've been able to go to Europe twice, I've been able to go to Australia, New Zealand, like it's incredible. And I'm so fortunate and so blessed that I get to call this my job. And, you know, I, it's a bummer the way things are at right now, but it's out of anyone's control. Yeah. Um, you know? And so it's great, man. I, I absolutely love it. The journey to get there was crazy. And when I, when I say it out loud, it's, it's really cool to hear about how it all happened and like, just how fortunate I'm just incredibly fortunate. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, uh, do you feel it's important, um, to like the type of music that you're working for? Uh, do you have any friends that maybe are, are, is an engineer for, a you know, EDM, but they don't like EDM or vice versa. Like, do you think it's important to like the genre or it depends on the person? Some people are like, like I have a really good friend who had a gig do you know who jojo siwa is the crazy girl youtube girl nickelodeon chick she yeah you should look yeah, her up yeah. you should look her uh, up yeah. she's i know who she is she's yeah so i have a friend that he got a job mixing her last like arena tour and <laughs> no, no one likes that type of music <laughs> yeah. except for if you're Beautiful. an eight-year-old yeah. but like he had a fun time there's a like you so it just depends like he did that type of work but he had a good time because he was around like people he enjoyed being around and it, you know, sometimes like as cliche as it can be, sometimes the gig pays really well. And so it's like, well, I'll go work for a month and make good money. And I'm not going to like go home singing all the songs, but like, <laughs> or you might, but you don't want to. Yeah. It's just but it's also, <laughs> you know, it's also like, it's a learning experience. How I've learned for like, for me in my career, every gig is a chance to learn and get better. Right. So like I could work for Judah and Lion for two years and that's great, but you can grow very stagnant if you're doing the same thing over and over again. And so like to take time off, like I went and I worked for, we had some time off, I went and worked for Gavin DeGraw for a couple months and like, you know, go and you change your, your like, it, you change kind of your environment and what's going on. And like, even just like the gear you're using, like I ended up, so like there's so many different types of sound boards, right? Consoles. And so like even changing up that, like I used a different console on Gavin than I did on Judah and blah, blah, blah. So you learn more and you're learning and you're having fun. You're getting, you're hearing different music. And so that's, that's the cool thing is like, do I think like working for a band that you enjoy the music is necessary? Not necessary. It's awesome. It's, it's, it makes it a little more enjoyable, you know, but at the same time, like it's another chance to learn and to grow and to like, just grow your craft and your skill and get better. And that's the fun thing. It's like the industry I'm in, there's always new gear. There's always something different or new that comes out. Technology uh, is always growing and like there's always new stuff and there's new tech. And so that's the fun thing is like, you kind of like, you never, 
feel like for me, I love that aspect where I'm always, there's always something new to learn. And there's always some new gear that I can try to figure out and like learn how to use. And so that's the fun thing for me. So I'd say, I'd say for me, uh, like liking the music is enjoyable. Absolutely. But it's not necessary for me, you know, gotcha. but it doesn't hurt. I, I enjoy no, Judas music. Sure. It's yeah. fun, <laughs> you know, like I, it's, and it's, it's fun to make something that you can like groove with, you know, so you can yeah. not just be bored the whole time. So but absolutely. Cause now probably in your sleep, you're probably thinking with your hands, what you had to do when you hear the songs over and over again. Yeah. Um, no, I, there, so, so there, real quick, there are songs in my life that bring me so much stress because I hear them. And then I think about the things I have to do and I'll be walking <laughs> through target and this song will pop on or whatever it is. And all of a sudden just anxiety ridden. And I'm just like, oh my God, I got to change all the batteries. I got to do all this. I've got a changeover in 10 minutes. And it's just like, it's hilarious because you hear those songs and they're so intertwined in your brain with like what you had to do when you heard those songs for two months straight or whatever. And it's just funny. But. You ever had any close calls, anything, or maybe something, <clears throat> like something bombed, like you, one of the guys wanted oh, to all sing the time. song. I mean, and anything that was uh, like kind of makes you cringe, you know, thinking about it still or. And also, also, are these bands forgiving when that happens? They can be. I think there's there's mistakes that are less forgiving than others. If you make a really bad mistake, if you work for a boss that cares about what they do, they're going to let you know that this doesn't need to happen again, you know? And I think that pushes you to be better, right? Like, if I'm going to make this mistake that put them in a weird position, that's on me. And that also is my mistake that the crowd sees, right? So, like, you want to be perfect in your craft to where the crowd doesn't even know you exist. And a lot of times growing up, when I think about going to concerts growing up, I never thought about what went on backstage, right? So that's perfect. Like that's being perfect in your craft or being good at your craft is these children, these teens, these adults, whoever are going to the concerts, they, the goal is they don't know you're there, right? So that is the goal. So like some people can be more forgiving than others, but at the same time, there's a lot of tough love. Like, you know, if you have like, Band like Judah, like, there's situations where it's like, hey, you messed this up. Don't let it happen again. We still love you. We still want you here. Don't let this happen again. And, and you're just like, you got it. And so, like, uh, close calls, one close call. So this past tour, the last tour I did with Judah, it was the beginning of the tour. We were on tour, but also had a festival in the middle of tour. And so it's a fly so basically you've got your truck and your buses you're going to each city you're doing your tour and then one day we do a show in kansas city load out get all the gear back in the truck but also like separate the gear that we need for the next day because then the, the, the very next day we're playing a show in san francisco so you're in kansas city one night you're gonna be in san francisco the next morning you're gonna fly there but you gotta take what you need to take with you so we take what we need and so how we do sometimes how it works is you have an a rig and a b rig so all of my audio gear and all that stuff with the company we rent gear from which happens to actually still be ver which is fun um is they have put together for me an exact mirror like an exact copy of what i used on a daily basis on tour and then they shipped it to san francisco to have when i got off the plane so I get off the plane, we drive to the festival grounds. I've got all my gear there and it's all been tested. It all works, but it's all digital stuff. There's always chances for stuff to go wrong. So we get it all in place. And because everything's so digital, there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of just like, 
gears needs to talk to each other and it all needs to be connected, right? So we've got plenty of time and we're just having a little bit of a problem. We can't get the two consoles. Again, there's a front of house soundboard and there's a monitor soundboard. There's one on stage, there's one out in the crowd. Uh, and those in our case need to be linked together. And that's how you're able to, basically both consoles can see the same kick drum and the snare drum and you know what I mean? So it's just not linking together. So we're like, oh, we can plenty of time to figure it out. Let's just figure it out. So we're not seeing any inputs, which means we're not seeing any of the microphones on stage, you know? And then also at the same time, I'm not seeing any of my outputs, which means that I'm not able to get any sound to the boy's ears. So I'm like, okay, well, that's obviously a problem, but again, we've got plenty of time. We're good. So all of a sudden I'm on a three-way phone call with so tech support. Actually, I think it was four people. There was two tech support guys from VR, two good friends that know the gear really well. And then um, our my front of house engineer, Eric, who was at front of house, he was out in the crowd at his console. I was on stage at my console. And it's so loud, there's a, there's a concert going on. And so that's like the easiest way we can talk to each other because we have radios, but when it's so loud, sometimes it's hard to hear. Um, so we're doing this four-way conversation and we're just, we just need like a, like a fresh set of ears, fresh set of like thinking, like someone to think about it in a new way because we've tried everything and we're so confused, right? Um, and so we're on this phone call, I think two, two hours maybe, and everything we try some, and that doesn't work. And all of a sudden, we're now 20 minutes out from the changeover. So 20 minutes out from when the band before us ends and we still have to push our gear on stage and plug it all in and make sure it works and then, then have a show, right? The stress is insane. I am so stressed and we're trying to figure it out. And all of a sudden, we're five minutes out of changeover. And it's, I still don't have any inputs. I still have no outputs. So I can't get any microphones to my console and I can't get any sound from my console to the band's ears, which makes for no show, right? That can't, a show can't happen, you know? <laughs> and so we're five minutes out, all of a sudden we try, and the funniest thing is it's the simplest fix. And you, we, it's like, it was a miscommunication from the get go that we thought basically each console has to have an ID number and they were swapped. All we had to do was swap the ID number and then everything worked, but everything, so basically the two consoles connected every, all the lights went green as soon as the band ended that was before us. And I'm like, okay, we're good. And then, but at the same time, we've tested nothing. We have to push all the gear out there to plug all the cables in. And then we have to just hope it works. And so what we do in the industry is called a line check. And so once you plug it all in, um, you tap through every microphone, make sure it comes up in the right spot in your console and make sure you're seeing everything. And so there's no time to troubleshoot. We do a quick tap through, quick line check. We see everything. Okay, great, amazing. And then I, you know, uh, noise all of the, the in-ears for the boys to make sure I see all noise. And I'm like, okay, I see everything. And then all of a sudden it's go time. Band walks out on stage, plays a show. Perfect show. But the entire time I'm just like, I had eaten all day. I woke up at four in the morning to fly to San Francisco. You know, I'm stressed. I was stressed out of my mind. And then it was a flawless show. The band had no idea any of this happened. And that's how it should be, right? So that is a close call that we somehow came out and crushed it and fixed it. And then the band did, had no idea what was happening the entire time. Thought it was a perfect show, thought it was great. Everything felt perfect to them. So it was like a win, it was a huge win. But at the same time, like 
it was like I, I, the show finished and we loaded out and got done and I just had to sit down and just like breathe for a second. I was like, like hold my, because like you're five minutes away from having to tell your band we can't do a show, or or having to tell them you have to cut your show your set in half because I need time to switch everything over to this festival system because there's, there's always like a festival system but we bring our own stuff in because it's it's more comfortable for us everything's perfect once it all works everything's exactly how it should be right so like you bring your own gear in and it all works the right way if it connects together so i remember like going to catering right after that because i was so hungry and like shaking and catering wasn't up anymore and i was like i just need to eat something and there was like a like a loaf of bread and so I went to cut a piece off bread and ended up like cutting my finger. And I was like, I can't win today. Like what is happening? So that's yeah. one of the, that was a, that was an incredibly close call. The real question, um, the real uh, question is what was the sweat factor during this whole thing? Oh, dude, just drenched. Luckily it was, <laughs> luckily it was San Francisco in the fall. So it's beautiful out. So it's like that's 65 good. degrees. Perfect. So it was nice, but it was still like the stress sweats were getting to me. And so that was, that was honestly, I think that was the most stress I've ever been in my entire life. Like, no lie. Like, and you're, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of fans out there waiting for the, their favorite band to go on. Right. Mm. And so just actually turned But yeah, so that's the biggest, probably the biggest close call I think I've ever had. And the, the most stressed I've ever been on a job site, I think. Making me sweat just thinking about it. Goodness gracious. Dude, it was crazy. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Yeah. So with that, so kind of like wrapping up with that and you're still doing it now, um, how has that kind yeah. of influenced you with just your personal, you know, music venture? Like I, I know you've done some stuff in the past and um, I know yeah, you have a sound um, That song, was it letting you in? I listened to it a little bit. Yeah. Oh, thank like, you. Like, yeah, wow. I appreciate it. Yeah. Digging deep. Um, yeah, digging deep. <laughs> Research. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, do you um, – do you still want to kind of pursue even for fun, some you know, music of your own to kind of be, you know, more therapeutic or. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredibly therapeutic for me because when you're on tour and you're around music so often, there is a part of you that like you can get burnt out on music. Like I don't like, to be honest, I don't listen to much music when I'm on tour because one, I don't have any time Two, I don't really want to sometimes because I hear it all the time but I will say it is incredibly therapeutic sometimes I'll lay in my bunk in the bus in the middle of the day or a day off lay in a hotel bed put headphones in and listen to like one of my favorite songs or whatever and that is the sense of just like almost peace just like comes over you because you're hearing something like you love and you're not hearing another Judah and the Lion song <laughs> and you're kind of just like and it's such a good rewind for me on tour so music to me is very therapeutic and making music. I love playing music. Um, and so for me, you know, I played in a band when I lived in Murfreesboro that, that first year and I, well, with, with my, like some of my best friends. And that was so fun. Like just getting to create music with your friends. Was awesome. And I loved that. And then, you know, have se I've had several like friends in Nashville, especially that are like they're doing their own music thing. And um, I've been able to like play with them and write with them and do stuff. And, have a friend who has um, his project is called Hugs H U G S, which is awesome. And you know, so that was a project I was with, like worked on with him for a little bit. Um, and so there's a song on there's we've got three songs on Spotify, um, and 
one of them it's called without a doubt i actually track drums on so you can listen to that um but that's super fun but so like music for me is just so therapeutic so fun it's it's that whole like i get my creative side out like working and mixing music live and doing that but then i also have the itch to create music and so i love it's been really fun during quarantine also just like before like living in minneapolis i have a duplex and um i'm living alone which is the first time i've ever done which is kind of fun um and so I've got two bedrooms. My second bedroom is my office, as I call it. And it's also a studio set. So I've got drum kit, guitars, everything in there. And, you know, drums are always mic'd up. So I can just go in and play and record stuff, which is super fun. Um, so I love that aspect of it. So, yeah, man, like I, like, well, letting you in song was, that was done in this room, actually. So this is actually my old room when I lived with my brother that we're in right now. Um, and this was where I had my desk. And so I actually made that song sitting right here in this room. Um, and so keep, I've been making music just for fun. It's such a fun release for me and such a fun, like therapeutic thing to create my own. And so I've been thinking about putting some more stuff up on SoundCloud soon that I've been doing, and that's just a lot of fun. But yeah, I think for me playing music one day, I don't think I'll ever do it professionally because I've seen the, the, the talent it takes to do it and the people it takes to do it. And I, I love it. I don't think I'm the best in the world, um, but it's really fun. And I don't think I'll do it professionally. Um, you know, I think for me, it's always going to be a fun thing to just to do by myself and with friends. So, yeah. And that's kind absolutely. of the risk you want to take is that, you know, like you don't maybe want to go pursue that because then that your, your passion turns into a job, which to some it works, but some sure, it's better absolutely. on the side. So I, I'd say with this podcast, absolutely. like, I'm not looking to make a career from this podcast. I want this just to be fun with just, you know, hanging out with friends and talking to them. For so sure. Sometimes it's just best to keep things like that because you can still pursue and get better, but you don't have to make it your job. And if you do, you Absolutely. do. But that's yeah. a good thing about like arts, whether it's music or videography or photography or anything like this can always just be fun as long as, you know, just make it fun, you know, like. Absolutely, dude. Make it, you know, stress-free. So that's what I like about it, man. But I, I, I this has been awesome. I appreciate all this. Um, dude, likewise. Uh, Thank you so yeah. much for having me. You, I want to make sure if you wanted like to plug your Instagram or anything or any announcements you want to make or <laughs> sure. anything like that, leave it. Leave it uh, yeah. Spotlights on I me. mean, uh, Murphy underscore Johnson is most of my socials and um, I have nothing really to plug, you know, just enjoy trying to enjoy life during this quarantine which is really fun i will say like there are a lot of organizations out there that are giving out grants to people like myself who are without work right now and so like you can find those you know online and and for anyone listening like you know it is obviously we're all affected by court like this COVID 19 thing and i guess the one thing to plug is you know there are people out there like myself in this industry and gig workers you know people that do contract work that are without work right now and so there's a lot of places that you can give to and um, they give to the people like me, which is cool. Not that like, I'm, I'm not asking for money. I want you to know that I'm just like, I've got a lot of friends and a lot of people in the industry who are without work. And um, so I guess that's one thing I can plug. So, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. That's awesome. Well, Murph, I, yeah. this has been awesome. Um, Likewise, dude. Want, want to do it again when you get more uh, yeah. close calls. Got to keep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, uh, I'll give you a call. <laughs> Got to get updated on the on the uh, on the sweat factor, and we talked earlier <laughs> yeah. about how much I sweat as well. So I get it. Yeah. I, get it. I get the whole yeah, industry. Dude. All right, man. Well, it's been awesome. Um, can't wait yeah, to uh, get this uploaded, and we can uh, let people hear what the uh, inside behind being a roadie, or in other words, a electric engineer or audio engineer. Excuse me. Audio engineer. Yeah, yeah. No, all good. <laughs> well, that's do. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, bud. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh,
It was a blast. Seriously. Absolutely. I really, really enjoyed it. Take Appreciate care. It. Thank you. Bye-bye.